good, is he not? And all the time, God is good. I have been, I am struggling. I have two different messages to preach, and uh, I don't know which one to preach, though the one that I intended for this afternoon, I believe, may be where, where, where we're headed. Psalm chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73. This is November. It is our month of leading up to the holiday of Thanksgiving. We, it is this week. It is this Thursday. And I am not ready for the holidays. My wife is already trying to, to, to decorate for Christmas. Now, let's see how many of you uh, agree with my wife that it's time to decorate for Christmas. All right, let's see how many of you are actually right and agree with me, and it's not time to decorate for Christmas. Amen. Praise the Lord. You. <laughs> okay, uh, now it's a joke. I'm not trying to cause division within the church. <laughs> There's no division in our household. She can decorate if she wants. I just don't have to like it until after Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, goodness. As fa this year has gone by so fast. It, it seemed like just just a couple days ago it started getting warm, and it's not warm anymore. It, it seemed like just a couple days ago we were in, the, in springtime, and, and now all the leaves are dead and falling off the trees and laying in my yard. Uh, you know, it, it, we're, it, we're looking at snow this weekend, and, and we're looking at Christmas in s less than six weeks. Oh, my word. It's time, and I'm, I'm sorry to upset some of you, uh, time is flying by so quickly. Now, I, I'm excited about Christmas. I, I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite holidays uh, because it's about the, uh, the birth of our Savior, uh, right? It, there's, there's meaning behind it all, but man, time is flying so much. In fact, this week is Thanksgiving, which blows my mind, honestly. You ever get into that Christmas season or the holiday season and just not feel it? doesn't feel like it's Thanksgiving. Now, it's getting cold out, and, and there'll be possibly snow on the ground this weekend, but I'm not talking about that. Thanksgiving is not a day of the month. It is not a, a holiday. It is a holiday, but it's, the truth is Thanksgiving is to be a continual thing for a child of God. Turkey day every day. I can't do turkey that much. <laughs> Though it's it's good lean protein. No, it, it's sometimes as we're coming into a, a holiday, just even sometimes we're coming into church, you just don't feel it. I'm thankful that we don't necessarily have to feel it, but I I certainly enjoy it when I do feel it. Now, what do I mean by feeling it? When I come to church with my mind and my heart focused on on meeting with the Lord and, and seeing God work and, and, and just excited for how God, I, I have prepared myself, I have prepared my heart, I have prepared my mind, I am ready when I come in. And when uh, I, we begin to, to, to reopen the Word and, and, and the, the Word is preached, I get to preach the Word. It's so exciting. And, and when, when I get to spend time in prayer and amongst God's people and just the, the Spirit of God, man, I look forward to that. But it's not always the case. There are times when, when I'm coming, as we're coming into this Thanksgiving, when there's so much going on, and let's, let's, let's just face it, things are getting hard uh, for some folks in our country, and uh, with, with prices and concerns and illnesses, there's, there is a lot going on, and it happens all the time. It's not something new. Sometimes our focus is on those things, and it really makes it hard to be thankful. It makes it hard to to focus upon the things of God, even in the house of God, because our perspective, our, 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 the, the, the point at which we're looking at things, how we look at things, affects our minds and it affects our hearts. Here in Psalm chapter 73, uh, it's a psalm of, 
of Asaph. He was a, uh, the, the, the music director. Uh, he directed the worship in the temple. He was a, uh, he, he was a servant of, of David. Uh, uh, he was a, a man of God, a man who loved God. Wrote much of, wrote many psalms in the, the book of Psalms. Uh, the, the book of Psalms is literally a book of songs that were used for worship. Here in Psalm 73, he starts out with a, with a, a declaration. Truly, God is good to Israel. And we, so we started it with, isn't God good? There was a, a movie not too long ago, uh, God's Not Dead. I made that phrase very, uh, I used to say it all the time, but, uh, but now it's, they say, well, is God's good. And then Brother Frank, who, who I believe is homesick, would say, all the time, because that's what they do in the movie. And then, and then, the, then the response is, all the time, God is good. It just goes back and forth. It's because God is good. He was, Asaph is looking at the truth and looking at the, the nature of God, and the truth is, God is good. He's good to his people. He has blessed us. But then he makes a confession in this very first verse. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. Verse 1, he says, hey, God's good to his people, and the truth is God is good. But verse 2, he confesses, but as for me, my feet are well nigh slipped. They were almost gone. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He says, well, I have the knowledge that God is good. I understand that God is good. I'm struggling. You ever been there? We know that God is good. We know that God blesses us. We, we know we're supposed to be thankful. And, that, and we have the head knowledge that there's, we have so much to be thankful for. But here we are with all this that we're supposed to be thankful for. We're so beat down. We're so discouraged. We're going through such a difficult time. We're like, how can I be thankful? In my perspective, as I, as, I, as I look at things, I don't see it and I don't feel it. And I, man, that, he was struggling. I want to look at some things in this chapter of reasons why he was struggling. Because he was looking at it from a human perspective. And then we're going to look at what he needed to do to, to, to redirect and to change his perspective so that he could change what he said and change, change where he was. Listen, we all get to this point sometimes. Maybe you're there today and maybe you're not. I hope you're not, but maybe you are. But there are some things that we can identify that can help us to say, okay, this is the issue. We all go through problems. We all face struggles. We all go through trials. The Bible says it rains in the just and the unjust alike. The difference is our perspective of what's going on and how can we see it from God's perspective versus our perspective. This is supposed to be a week of Thanksgiving. So how to have Thanksgiving in difficult times. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you say to us, Lord. How you speak to us. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, that, that we would not just come in here knowing that we should be thankful. Lord, even knowing what we should be thankful about, but God, I pray that you would put a true gratefulness, a true thankfulness into our heart. I pray, God, that you would redirect our focus. Speak to us through your spirit and through your word. God, help me to declare your truth as you would have it preached. God, may you bring our hearts and our focus and our minds solely to you. Bind Satan. Lord, keep out any distraction. Lord, may you have your way with us this morning. And may Christ be glorified. I ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me and my 
my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He, he confesses his, his struggle. He confesses his, his difficulty. That, uh, he says, my, my feet are well nigh slipped. He says, I'm stumbling. I'm, uh, I, I'm standing in a slippery place, a, a place where I'm about to fall, and he's struggling in his faith. But he tells us why he's struggling in his faith. Uh, we look here in, in, in these next couple of verses. He says, for I was envious at the foolish uh, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The first downfall, the first struggle that he had was not necessarily what he was going through, but his perspective. Uh, his focus was on the prosperity of, of the wicked. He said, they're doing so well. Uh, look at look at they they don't love God they they don't even go to church uh, they, they don't believe in God they're dishonoring to God but look at their prosperity look at how well things are going for them now well, anytime we're looking at somebody else and becoming envious of the, their situation that's a problem and we're going to get to that in a moment but he was focusing on on on, on the, the the finances and the the blessings the the success that they were having in this world. He said, it, it, just, it just didn't feel right that they should be able to, uh, to, 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 to disregard the word of God and the truth of God and what God was calling God's people to do. And, and, and yet they, they were disregarding all that. They turned their back on God, but still they were prosperous. And just, it became a downfall for him. It became a struggle. He said, my, my feet are well and I slipped. When we get so caught up in what other people are, 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 how other people are blessed that we forget about the blessings of our, of, that God has in our own life, that's a place where we cause us to struggle in our, our, our gratefulness and our ability to give thanks. And it goes on to say later uh, in, the same, in, in this verse, uh, he talked about the prosperity later on in the chapter. It says, verse, uh, uh, where are we at here? I didn't mark it. Verse 13, verily. Oh, it's verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Would you like to have a Lamborghini or a Mercedes? Brother, would you like to have a, 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 another Harley or maybe five? Right? Uh, you ever, you ever, uh, there used to be a, a TV show on uh, that, uh, and I'm not saying you should ever watch it, uh, but it was the, uh, the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And you, you see them walk through these houses that are just, just absolutely ridiculous. You know, there, there's, there are people, there's actually a, a home where somebody lives, they have a toilet that's made out of solid gold. It's ridiculous. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a, uh, the lottery uh, went a couple weeks ago, or a week or so ago. Uh, the winner, uh, one person won 2.1 or 2.2 billion, billion, with a B, dollars. That's a lot of money. I was tempted to buy a ticket. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> There's the idea that we can look into this world and we see people that they don't love God. They're not struggling with their bills. They're not struggling with uh, putting food on the table or taking care of their families. And we, we look at the cars that they drive, and I mean, they, there are some nice cars out there. I wouldn't mind having, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that God hasn't blessed us and taken care of us. He has. I'd like to have a Mercedes. Actually, what I'd really like to have is, uh, I won't go there. <laughs> there. There was a, forgive me for this, there was a, there was a, uh, a, video, a YouTube video about some guy who was preaching. Uh, not to know. You may have seen it. Maybe you didn't. Uh, he was he was preaching, and and he had said that he wanted. Uh, uh, he told the church that he wanted a, a certain kind of watch. I don't remember what it was anymore. It was an expensive watch. And they hadn't bought it for him. He told them they were all they were all sorry and broke, and they should they were, they were lazy and didn't give to God because he didn't get the watch he'd asked for. That was just ridiculous, by the way. I'm not asking you to buy me anything. We can look at those financial things those, and say they're prospering and they're increasing and things are going so well for them. Why is it so difficult for us? And we suddenly lose the thankfulness for what God has provided and how God has worked and continues to work. And our, 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 our view, our perspective uh, is, is one of their prosperity. And we, that can be a place of downfall. 
Not only do we see the, the prosperity that he was looking at there in verse 3, verse 4 he says, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble other men, as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Let's talk about the, 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 the people, those that are, even in their death, there's no bands, there's no pain, there's no, there's no anguish, they're, they're, their lives are good, they're at peace. So he's looking at the prosperity of the ungodly, he's looking at the peace of the ungodly, and he says, why are they at peace and I'm not? Why are they, why are they they're prosperous? I, I don't understand. It ain't fair. Not only that, but he's looking at the pride. Verse 6 is, Therefore pride compasseth them, about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues walk through the earth. He says, listen, they're prosperous, they're at peace, they're full of pride, they're gladly walking in their rejection of God, they speak out against God. How could God allow this to go on? It isn't fair. And it's easy to look around at the world around us and say, this is ridiculous, because we live in a ridiculous world. A world that, a world that exalts and lifts up just the... the the, the most nonsensical, ridiculous, ungodly mindset. It's not fair. Woe is me. Poor me. Now listen, I, I don't think anybody around here is going to walk around saying, it's not fair, but you know what it can do? It takes our mind off what God has done for us and is doing for us. And it can cause us to struggle in our hearts, in our own faith. Because if God was real, why would this be true? If God was real, why would he not heal me from this? Why would I be going through these? I've been praying. I've been doing what's right. Uh, uh, why is my life such a struggle? Job could have said the same thing. Paul could have said the same thing. The truth is, all Christians go through these things. But we need to come to a point where, uh, as we sang the last song, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by Horatio Spafford. If you know anything about uh, the, the, the writing of, the, of that hymn that we sang, uh, 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 it was written by a man who had lost everything in the great Chicago fire. The only thing he had left was some money that he had had in the bank and very little. And, and uh, uh, he lost, uh, he'd owned uh, many, uh, uh, many businesses that had been burned down in the fire. And his family survived. And, and he was shipping his family over to England. And he had a few things that needed to be taken care of uh, still there in Chicago before he left to go to meet with, the, with them in England. And they got on a ship and they left. And, and he stayed home finishing up that business and before he left to go meet them in England he got a a, a telegram uh, uh, he was wired a message from his wife it said saved alone what had happened was while they were on the the, the ship over there the, the, they'd come into a storm and the ship had sank and his three daughters had died and his wife was the only one that survived and he went to meet his wife there in England and when the, the captain came to him when they came to the place where the ship, his wife's ship had sunk. I said, this is the place. And he stood on the, at the rail looking at the sea, willows, sea waves roll. And God gave them the song. When peace like a river attendeth my way. And sorrows like sea billows roll. He's able to say, It is well with my soul. See, our focus can't be upon everybody else. And listen, our focus can't even be upon our own struggles and trials, but upon the goodness of God. In the midst of of these things. 
not only did he have his eyes on those focused upon those three things of others, notice also what it did in his, in his own heart. Verse 9 says, They set their mouths against heaven. Again, talking about the pride. Their tongues walk through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and, water, and waters of full cups are wrung out uh, to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? They're questioning God. Verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. He says, I, 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 I've been doing right in vain. It's been worthless. He saw their prosperity. He saw their peace. He saw their pride. And he said, My hope is purposeless. There's no purpose to, to, to my doing right anymore there in verse, verse 13. Verse 14, for all the day long have I pl been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He says, uh, he, he says I, I'm torn up. I, I, I'm doing everything in my life. It, it's, it's without value. My religion. Going to church. The, uh, reading my Bible, my, the, the prayers, the, the trying to live right for God. Listen, it's all without purpose. Because it doesn't seem to be accomplishing anything. He was internalizing this. Uh, notice it said there that, that if he said anything, if he, if he allowed these words to be spoken out loud, it would have offended some, it would have caused others to stumble and fall. So he had to internalize it. And I appreciate what he was doing here and, and trying to not cause others to stumble and fall. But what that did do is it was too painful for him to even think about. It was, he was in uh, spiritual anguish because he was struggling. Because... It didn't seem like that the world made sense to him anymore. But our next verse, verse number 17, it brings a little clarity. Verse 17, this was, the, his mind was struggling with this, he was, his feet well nigh slipped, right up until verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. See, as he looked at the prosperity, as he looked at the, the peace of the, of the ungodly, as he looked at the pride and how they, they, they live their lives without any acknowledgement of God, without any uh, submission unto God or any desire for God, as, as he saw that, as he saw his own, uh, his own problems and, and, and struggles, and, and it seemed, all seemed like a, a waste, he, he was looking at it from the wrong perspective. It was a, a human perspective. Because uh, he was looking at it, it was, as far as uh, the confines of this life. I don't know if it's you, but I, I, I like my life. I, I, like, I want to live a long time. My wife and I just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. And I, I told her I, I can't wait uh, to see what the next 50 years brings. Now, at the end of 50 years, I'm going to be really old, and I'll be okay to go home to, to be with the Lord at that point in time. I'll be 95, so I, I, I think that's okay. But I enjoy this life. I'm not, I don't want to necessarily not have it, but I want to look at it with the right perspective. Because remember, he was looking at the prosperity of the, of the ungodly and saying, that's not fair, that's not right. How can they be, why can they be, should they be prosperous when they're living against God and I'm living for God? I don't get it. But you have to remember, what's the Bible say about lay not treasures here upon this earth where moth, and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do break in and steal. Something as uh, that, that whole uh, the uh, the two point two billion dollar lottery ticket got sold. I, I saw an article and it said how how somebody like, that when many people like that still go into bankruptcy. I can't even my mind doesn't even comprehend that kind of money. How you could go bankrupt having won that kind of money? I don't understand. But it happens. It ruins people's lives. But even if it didn't, it's only here for a second and gone the next. That guy, listen, I couldn't spend $2.2 billion in my entire life. Couldn't do it. I mean, I'm sure I could if I wanted to be ridiculously extravagant. 
you'd have to be to spend that kind of money. I, I'd have to buy some companies, right? Uh, I'd do something like But in the end, when I die, let's say I still had $2.2 billion. Guess what stays here? $2.2 billion. I don't. I'd like to have a Harley, brother. I'd like to have a nice car, nicer car, and a, a bigger house, and all these the the the, the financial. I'd like to, to not have to ever worry about money again. Like, that would be nice. But guess what? Just money. In the grand scheme of things, if I have not not a earthly view like he's talking about, but if I have a heavenly view. If I look at things from God's perspective, I understand the brevity of life and the, 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 that there is no value in this physical stuff that I can put my hands on today. Now, I'm not saying that, you don't, that money can't buy you food because you need food. I can't, I'm not saying you don't need money to pay your electric bill. Yes, you do. I, I, I'm not saying, what I'm, what I'm saying is what's more important and what's more valuable is, are the things of eternal value not financial. He talked about their peace. In their verse four, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. There's no, there's no worry. There's no anguish. There's, they're not afraid of death. Can I tell you? It's because of their ignorance. You ever been someplace and not realize how dangerous of a position you were in until afterwards? Years ago, when I was 14 or 15 years old, we went to, uh, I don't remember their names, the, uh, oh, they, just, or not just, they, they were homeschoolers. The Lovelaces, yes. Chad Loveless was, was uh, now I've said his name, he'll never see this, hopefully. <laughs> he was a kid about my age, uh, another homeschooled family. They had built, a, uh, they had built their own log cabin uh, out of wood that they had cut down on their own property. It was really nice, too. They, they did a great, his parents did a great job with that. They had a barn. Uh, they had a farm. And, and uh, I can remember we went out there one night, uh, one evening, and uh, uh, just messed around. And he said, hey, let's go out to the barn. And we were climbing up around in the barn in the pitch black dark. By the way, that's a bad idea. If anybody ever invites you up into a barn in the pitch black dark, don't go. However, we're climbing around up on top of the haystacks, and we're up at the top of the barn. And we're not talking a small barn. We're talking about a real barn. And, and, and uh, climbing around in these stacks of hay, and he, goes, he jumps down off of one, one bale of hay to the next, and he says, come on. And I said, okay. But there wasn't anything there. I fell probably 20 feet, and praise the Lord, there was one bale of hay in the middle of the floor, the back of my head hit it, and it flipped me around so I landed square right on my shoulder blades, knocked the breath out of me, but saved me, because I would have crushed my skull or my neck or something, and I can remember like that, <gasps> trying to breathe, and he goes, you're not going to cry, are you? And me being a 14-year-old boy, say, no! <laughs> Where are my glasses? <laughs> now, if I'd have known that there was nothing ahead of me, and he said, hey, why don't you come on down here? I'd be like, are you stupid? <laughs> Instead, I stupidly stepped. There was no fear. Do you know why? Because I was ignorant of the danger that I was in. I didn't know. I couldn't see. I was, I was, I was, I was ignorant. Listen, the, the world is at peace. They, they're, they're, they're as happy as they can be. They think everything is fine. There's no worry. There's no fear. There's no, there's no, they're, they're, they're just living their life and then enjoying it to the best of their ability, trying to find happiness and trying to fill their lives with stuff and relationships and things that they think might fulfill themselves. But guess what? They're going to come to the end one day. They're going to take their last breath and they're going to close their eyes in death and they're going to open their eyes and they're going to stand before God and they don't understand this. And that's why they're at peace. Because they don't understand the truth that the Bible teaches. It's appointed unto man once to die. We all die. But after this, after that, the judgment. There's peace, but it's peace because of ignorance. And while, while, while 
while Asaph is, uh, is, is, is looking at, 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 at this, their, their, their peace, he's looking at it from a human perspective, and he goes, I don't understand how they can have peace and why they're at peace. They're at peace because of their ignorance. But when he, from a heavenly perspective, looked back and, and said, oh, their, their, their prosperity, that's worthless. Their peace, it isn't real. It's ignorance. It suddenly began to change his heart. It began to change his thought process. He looked at their prosperity. He looked at their peace. And then he looked at their pride. Here they are. They're going around talking against God and against God's people and, and, and just living their lives in a brash manner. And he goes, how stupid are they? They don't understand. Suddenly, he understood, verse 17 says, their end. And he wasn't envious anymore. Verse Two tells us that his foot feet had well nigh slipped because verse three, he was envious of their position. But when he looked at them from a heavenly perspective, he understood that their position was not what he thought it was. He said, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I underst then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. They'll cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. He says, when I, when I saw the truth, when I saw that their prosperity really wasn't prosperity, when I saw that their peace was only out of ignorance, when I saw uh, the, 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 their, their pride was, was, was just foolishness, when I saw their end, when I finally understood their end, I wasn't envious anymore. I was grieved. He wasn't grieved at them. He was grieved at, at his response. He was grieved at, at, at how he had looked at them and been envious of that. And he understood, listen, that's not something to be envious of. That, 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 that financial security, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to be financially secure. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to save some money and put some money. Uh, what, what I'm saying is that, that money is nothing compared to what God has given to us. God is good. Truly, he says. Truly, God is good. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our trials, regardless of how, how difficult things seem now in the moment, I want you to understand it is only but for a moment, and there will come a day when you take your final breath here on this earth when you will be at complete peace because you know where you're going to spend eternity. When, when the, 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 money, the, the money that's left in the bank, you understand, truly is worthless, whether you had any or not when you receive the riches of God's mercy and grace, according to Ephesians chapter 2. When you understand that pride, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you understand that God blesses you and God works in your life. It wakes you up. Verse 20, as in a dream when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. He's saying there is going to come a time when their moment of prosperity ends. When their, when their peace is gone. When their pride is broken. Then I understood their end, he said. Verse 21, thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. He begins to confess his own sin before God. He says, my mindset, my, my perspective was wrong. The way I was thinking about this, God, it was all wrong. I was like a, a, a beast, an animal before you. I, 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 he was pricked in his heart. He was grieved in, a, in his heart of how he had thought about the, the, the mercy and the goodness of God. He began to elevate the things of this world and put down the things of God. But suddenly his, the balance has shifted and he understands that God's goodness and mercy and grace is so much more important and the things that this world has to offer. Don't get so caught up in the things of this world. It is only but for a moment. Notice in verse 23, it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. 
Thou hast hold me by my right hand. He talked about the, the difficulties he's gone through. But suddenly he says, but God, you're with me. In the midst of my trials, you're with me. Listen, there is a power to the verse where Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There is power in that. That, that, that God is with you in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your temptation. That, that God is there with you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God will bring you out of your problems. That is a misconception and a false doctrine that is taught uh, by, by the, the, the prosperity gospel that you can just manifest your realities and everything will be as, as you want it to be, that God wants you to be happier. Yes, God wants you to be happier, but He wants you to be content. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. It doesn't say that, that, that great gain is contentment. It isn't about uh, uh, you, you're getting money in your pocket. Okay, that means God's happy with me. No. There were times Paul said, I knew how, both how to be abased and to abound. There were times when God blessed him and he had an abundance, and there were times when he was in want and in need, and God was good all the time. God is good. He said, as in a dream. I almost titled this a Thanksgiving nightmare. <laughs> Make for a catchy clickbait for the, for the, for the website. He says, it's like I woke up. In fact, he's saying when God wakes up, their nightmare begins, but it will all come to an end for them. But the truth is, he woke up. When he came into the sanctuary, his mindset, his perspective on things changed. And listen, when we come into the very presence of God, when we see God for who He is, and we see things eternally from God's perspective, our perspective changes too. You want to have a real Thanksgiving this year? You want to truly be able to just exalt God and thank God for all the things that He has done, uh, done for you? You need to look at things with a heavenly perspective. It cannot be about the things of this world. And, 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 and listen, you God, everything you have is of God. Some of you are wearing coats in here because you're cold. That's okay. Praise the Lord, you got a coat. And praise the Lord that we've got heaters. And praise the Lord that we have air conditioners in the summer. And you have padded seats to sit on. Used to be, they weren't very padded. And praise the Lord, you have seats to sit on at all. And, and carpet, even though it's 45 years old. Praise the Lord. Right? Praise the Lord that you have a, a home that you, that you live in with a, a roof over it and, and, and food on your table so that you're not hungry in the morning. Praise God for all those things. But listen, beyond that, greater than all of that, praise God for His mercy. Praise God for His grace. Praise God for His love. Praise God for His Son. Praise God for what He has done and who He is. Because if all we do is we look at the, the, these earthly things, Our feet will well nigh slip. We'll find ourselves in a position where we're on shaky ground. Trying to hold on. Trying to be thankful. Coming into a, a Thanksgiving where we're supposed to be thankful. Where, where the government says, hey, this is the day to be thankful. No. The Bible says we're to be thankful all the time. In everything. Not just all the time, but in, for every situation. That's no fun. It means even in the bad times, even when things are difficult, we're to be thankful. How do you do that? You look at things from God's perspective and not ours. He says, verse 22, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. God, you'll lead me with your word. God, you'll lead me with your spirit. And God, when, when everything's said and done here on this earth, I want you to know, God, I, I'm looking forward to the day when I'm up in heaven and I'm with you forever. Because listen, all this is temporary. And while 100 years seems like a long time right now, if you get to live to be 100 years old, it is nothing compared to eternity. And when we get to heaven, we have an eternity to spend with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Walking on streets of gold, by the way. 
We, we value gold, do we not? I have here a silver ring made out of a, I think it's a Morgan silver dollar. I don't know. My, 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 my son lost my gold, Zeke lost my gold wedding ring, and I was heartbroken. We value these things. Not really worth that much, to be honest with you. Only five bucks, I think. We value those things, but in heaven, it's nothing. It is nothing. And this is where this heavenly perspective brought in. Verse 25. Who have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy Is God your portion? The word portion is, uh, we, we find it in the Old Testament, uh, when uh, speaking of the people of Israel, when they received their inheritance. Uh, when they came into Canaan, uh, they, were, uh, they were delivered their portion. Each, each uh, tribe got a certain portion of land. Uh, uh, the Levites didn't get a portion of land. God was their portion. God was their inheritance because they were, they were to minister in the temple. Uh, they, they were to be the servants of God, and God supplied their needs through the, the money that was brought, the, the, the offerings that were brought in. The, the, that's where they got their food. That's where they got their the, the, the clothes. Uh, that, that's how God provided for them, but God was their portion. He says, God is my portion. I don't need all the, 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 the finery. I don't need all the, the, the gold. I don't need all the, the, the prosperity or the pride or any of the things this world has to offer. God is my portion. And when we come to the Lord, when we come to the house of God and we see that God is our portion, then none of those other things are worth anything to us anymore. That's, what, that's why Paul says he counted all those things but loss, dung, not worthy of anything. But his desire was to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. He says, I want to know God. A true thanksgiving is going to be one where our focus is upon God and not upon now, there are a lot of traditions. Every family has their own traditions. Sometimes the tradition has to do with family gatherings. And those are good. Get together with your families. Enjoy time with your family. Sometimes it's centered around food. I don't know about you, but I like pumpkin pie and cherry pie and cheesecake. And I haven't said any real traditional foods, but uh, I like sausages and cranberry stuffing. My wife makes an amazing stuffing. Uh, uh, there, uh, you can tell my tradition has been food over the years. <laughs> Not so much anymore, thankfully. Sometimes it's football. There's, there are, I can remember going to my grandparents' house when I was a kid, and, and uh, all my uh, uncles and cousins would be sitting around a, 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 a TV watching football. Now, I like football, but I was never really all that into it. But the truth is, as a child of God, for us to be truly grateful can't be about the traditions that we have had. Well, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It has to be about God. The goodness of God. Drawing near to God. That's what he said. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. The greatest thing that we have to be thankful for is the greatest gift God's ever given to us. That greatest gift was in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
The truth is you and I couldn't come to the Lord, uh, uh, couldn't receive anything of God because of our sinfulness. Uh, the Bible says that our sinfulness, uh, that, that, that separates us from God. And as much as, as God wants fellowship with us, in fact, that's why we were created, uh, our sin broke that fellowship and separated us from Him. A true thanksgiving, a real thanksgiving, is one where we draw nigh to God. Well, how do we draw nigh to God? Through the Son. And only through the Son. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How are we going to draw nigh unto God? What are we going to be thankful for if we're not thankful for the greatest thing that he ever did, did for us? 1 John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of the love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we could be called the children of God. But listen, we cannot be called the children of God unless we are the children of God. And there's only one way in which we become the children of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. God gives us the power to become the sons of God. And for that, I will be forever grateful. Because I am not worthy. I'm not worthy to stand before God. I'm not worthy to, to, to come into his presence because he is God. Not a God of my own making or my own imagination, but he's the God, the creator of the universe, the one who created me. Revealed to, to us through the scriptures, through the word of God, through the world around us. We sing the, the song, how, how, the first song we sang, how great thou art. It talks about the, uh, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Right? We see all that God has done. And we say, wow, God is so good. He's so amazing. We see the stars. We see, the, we see the, the, his handiwork. We say, God is good. He's revealed to us there. But we see his power in that, but he reveals his nature to us in his word. And the greatest revelation that we have is the, his, the revelation of his love. He says in 1 John, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Because of our sin and that broken fellowship, uh, we are separated from God. And the Bible tells us because of our sin that, that, that we will one day stand before God and be judged for our sin. The Bible says the judgment of that is the wages of sin is death. It means we have deserved, we have earned death. And every one of us that stands outside of God, uh, stands outside of Christ before God will one day answer for our sins. And that's what Asaph is saying here in this, this passage, because I understood their end, that, 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 that their peace, that their prosperity, it's all going to come to an end because they reject God. But for those there is children, those who have accepted God, those who have accepted Christ and what he did for them on the cross, there's real peace. And there's real prosperity. Because as we draw nigh to the Lord, we see the work of God in Jesus Christ. And listen, there's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way for that peace, and that is through Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins so that we could have fellowship with God. His death paid for our sins. And as a child of God, we can be thankful and should be thankful and should always be thankful, not just on Thanksgiving, but every day of the week. Every morning you wake up, honestly, it could be the first thing on your, on your mind. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for the, the pain and the suffering and all that you went through. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ, I want you to know that that, that invitation uh, uh, to salvation, uh, listen, it wasn't just for Asaph. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. It isn't just for the people that are members of certain churches or, or dress a certain way or act a certain way or talk a certain way. That invitation is for everybody. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your history. 
And in fact, the farther we see people away from God, the greater we see the mercy and grace of God. Because the truth is, we're all in the same place. Not one of us is in a better position than any other in our standing before God if we're outside of Christ. If we've never trusted Christ, we all need God's mercy and grace. And the only way to have that is through Jesus Christ. If you want to celebrate your first true Thanksgiving, where you can be thankful for heavenly things, accept what Christ did for you on the cross. Trust in him. Know that you can't do it yourself. The Bible says this, says this for by grace, meaning we didn't deserve it, are you saved through faith, meaning we believe in what he did, for a grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's not what you do. This is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not what we do. It's not what we earn. It's not by joining a church. It's not by tithing and giving money to the church. It's not by good works and taking care of old ladies and walking them across the street. It's not, this, it's not making sure you don't kick any puppies or anything like that. There's nothing that you can do to earn your way to heaven. You know what we do? We trust in Christ. Because the only way that we can ever experience salvation and real thankfulness is because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Trusting in Him. There are people here today that are ex-addicts and ex-drunks and ex-all kinds of things. There are also people in here that are ex-hypocrites and ex-prideful and ex-liars because the truth is every sin is a sin before God. There's no one sin worse than another. They're all against God and they're all wicked and evil in His sight. And it doesn't mean we're perfect. Praise God for that because I'm not perfect and I'd be in trouble. I haven't attained, I haven't acquired, I, I, I haven't become what, what I will one day be, but I'm so thankful for the mercy and grace of God that continues to work in me, just like it'll work in you. For by grace are you saved. I hope this Thanksgiving, for you children of God, is the greatest Thanksgiving of your life. We focus not upon the tra traditions and not upon the, the physical things, though we should be thankful for everything, but we're focused upon God and God's goodness. Because in the, in the end, what we see is the very first verse uh, of Psalm 73 has rung true in the heart of, of Asaph. He goes back to truly God is good to Israel. Because he understood that God had a plan for his people. And that God, God's goodness is greater than anything this world has to offer. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I'm thankful for your Son who died on the cross. Lord, for your Spirit that works in our hearts, your Word which, which speaks to us. God, I pray that you would have your way this morning. Lord, if our hearts and minds are, are, have been turned from you to, to the things of this world or to our troubles, God, I pray that you'd help us to redirect our thoughts and our hearts. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted in Christ, they never placed their faith in Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that they would trust in Jesus and they would accept him for what he did for them on the cross, Lord, that they might come to Christ. We ask that you would work. Lord, we pray that you be glorified. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Every head